No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where conflict arises between Judah and Israel over the return of David as king, leading to insurrection and murder. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 2 Samuel chapter 19 on Simply the Bible. These were brutal and bloody days in Israel. David was a man of blood, which was why he was disqualified from building the Lord's temple. Part of the problem was that David had a power-hungry general who thought nothing of shedding innocent blood whenever his position was threatened. These were flawed people whom God used. You know, if God only used perfect people, he wouldn't have anybody to use. One of the things that I love about the Bible is that it tells it like it is, the good, the bad, and the bloody. Following Absalom's rebellion, the men of Judah came out to escort King David across the Jordan River to bring him back into Jerusalem. We continue in 2 Samuel 19, verse 40. Now the king went on to Gilgal, and Kimham went on with him. Kimham was the son of Barzillai, a friend of David who had helped he and his men when David had fled from Absalom. So Kimham went with David, and all the people of Judah escorted the king and also half the people of Israel. Just then all the men of Israel came to the king and said to the king, Why have our brethren, the men of Judah, stolen you away and brought the king, his household, and all David's men with him across the Jordan? So all the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, Because the king is a close relative of ours. Why then are you angry over this matter? Have we ever eaten at the king's expense? Or has he given us any gift? Then the men of Israel answered the men of Judah and said, We have ten shares in the king. Therefore, we also have more right to David than you. Why then do you despise us? Were we not the first to advise bringing back our king? Yet the words of the men of Judah were fiercer than the words of the men of Israel. So why were the people of Israel so upset? They felt like the men of Judah left them out of the party. Judah had escorted David without inviting them to participate, and they were sore about it. So the men of Judah replied, Look, David's part of our family. What's the problem? Have we eaten any of his food? Have we taken any of his provisions? And the men of Israel said, We have ten shares of the king treating David like he was a security to be traded on the stock exchange. Now, Judah had incorporated the tribe of Simeon into their territory, and Israel had the ten other tribes. Sadly, this schism that would separate the kingdom into north and south was already beginning. Israel claimed that it was their idea to bring back David, but Judah's words were more forceful. Strife and contention ensued. Chapter 20. And there happened to be there a rebel whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite. And he blew a trumpet and said, We have no share in David, nor do we have inheritance in the son of Jesse. 
every man to his tents, O Israel. So every man of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba, the son of Bichri. But the men of Judah from the Jordan as far as Jerusalem remained loyal to their king. In any conflict, there is always someone waiting in the wings looking to personally profit from it. Sheba was an opportunist. He saw this division between Israel and Judah as his opportunity for advancement. Too bad he wasn't meditating on Psalm 75 that says, For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. I love the old King James there. Sheba saw this as an opportunity to blow his own trumpet. He said, We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse, as though he was looking out for the welfare of his fellow countrymen. But in fact, he was saying, Follow me, guys. This just shows you that people are always looking to follow a leader, but few are willing to step up to lead. And sadly, often those who do step up have wrong motives. They make lousy leaders, for they are neither gifted nor called by God for the job. Judah really proved their loyalty toward David, their homeboy, by sticking with him. Now, David came to his house at Jerusalem, and the king took the ten women, his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house, and put them in seclusion and supported them, but did not go into them. So they were shut up to the day of their death, living in widowhood. This story saddens me. Imagine being one of these women. They were chosen by David to be part of his harem. They could have been married to one husband and raised a family elsewhere, but instead they had to share their husband with numerous other wives. When David left the palace to flee from Absalom, he left them behind to take care of the house. But Absalom, following the advice of Ahithophel, had sexual relations with all of them in a tent on the palace roof so that everyone could see he was laying claim to the kingdom. Now these women were violated and defiled by the king's son. Was that their fault? No way! So when David returns, he takes care of them financially, but he never sleeps with them again. It was no big deal for David. He still had plenty of other wives. But these ten women lived as widows for the rest of their lives. And this is one of the many reasons why polygamy is a bad idea. Verse 4, And the king said to Amasa, Assemble the men of Judah for me within three days, and be present here yourself. So Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah, but he delayed longer than the set time which David had appointed him. Amasa was David's nephew by his sister Abigail. He had sided with Absalom in the rebellion and became his general. After Joab killed Absalom against David's orders, David said to the elders of Judah, Say to Amasa, Are you not my bone and my flesh? God do to me and more also if you are not commander of the army before me continually in place of Joab. David was not happy with Joab. Now, David understood that if he didn't nip Sheba's rebellion in the bud, then it would be a much bigger problem at a time when his grip on the kingdom was slippery at best. David gave Amasa three days to gather the men of Judah, 
but he didn't make it back in time. Probably there were men of Judah who had a problem rallying behind Amasa when he had previously rebelled against David and sided with Absalom. Nobody likes a turncoat. And David said to Abishai, Now Sheba, the son of Bichri, will do us more harm than Absalom. Take your Lord's servants and pursue him, lest he find for himself fortified cities and escape us. So Joab's men with the Carathites, the Pelathites, and all the mighty men went out after him. And they went out of Jerusalem to pursue Sheba, the son of Bichri. There was no time to lose. So David ordered Abishai, Joab's brother, to take his mighty men and the warriors that formed his bodyguard and pursue Sheba. And Joab went with them. When they were at the large stone, which is in Gibeon, Amasa came before them. Now Joab was dressed in battle armor. On it was a belt with a sword fastened in its sheath at his hips. And as he was going forward, it fell out. Then Joab said to Amasa, Are you in health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. But Amasa did not notice the sword that was in Joab's hand. And he struck him with it in the stomach and his entrails poured out on the ground, and he did not strike him again. Thus he died. So Abishai and Joab, along with David's men, went about five miles north to Gibeon when they met Amasa, who was probably on his way back to Jerusalem to report back to David and receive his orders. As Joab approached Amasa, his sword fell out of its sheath, which would have only happened because Joab set it up. Joab said, Are you in health, my brother? And he took his beard as if to kiss him. Now keep in mind that Amasa and Joab were cousins. So Amasa would have thought nothing of this familiar gesture. His guard was down so that he didn't see the sword that Joab had slyly grabbed with his hand. Then Joab thrust it into Amasa's stomach so that his insides gushed out onto the ground. Now why did Joab do this anyway? Is this any way to treat your cousin? Some would say that Joab was punishing Amasa for being a traitor and that Joab knew Amasa couldn't be trusted to be the commander of David's army. But I think that Joab demonstrated here and earlier when he murdered Abner, who David also planned to appoint general, that Joab was really power hungry and was not going to let anybody else command David's army. He was fiercely loyal to David in some ways, but brutally independent and insubordinate in other ways. There was no doubt a love-hate relationship between David and his nephew Joab. David hated Joab's murderous brutality, but he needed him as a general. Then Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued Sheba, the son of Bichri. Meanwhile, one of Joab's men stood near Amasa and said, Whoever favors Joab and whoever is for David, follow Joab. And Amasa wallowed in his blood in the middle of the highway. And when the man saw that all the people stood still, he moved Amasa from the highway to the field and threw a garment over him when he saw that everyone who came upon him halted. When he was removed from the highway, all the people went on after Joab to pursue Sheba, the son of Bichri. The men had to decide. 
Amasa was dead. So were they going to follow Joab or not? The men knew that Joab was a proven general who had always led David's army, so they didn't have much trouble following him. But passing by Amasa in the middle of the highway as he wallowed in his blood, struggling to hold on to life, that was a sight to be sure. It's like what happens when there's an accident on the freeway and everyone slows down to look. Therefore, one of Joab's men drug Amasa's body off the road and into the field and threw a garment over it. Now, one would hope somebody later buried his body since it was considered very important in Israel to bury the deceased on the day of his death. Verse 14, And he went through all the tribes of Israel to Abel and Beth Maacah and all the Berites. So they were gathered together and also went after Sheba. Joab, now having a firm grip on the command of the army, with no rivals willing to take it away from him, leads David's troops to deal with the Sheba rebellion. You know, war is brutal. It always has been and always will be. And the Bible doesn't sugarcoat that. It tells it like it is. This is a bloody and graphic affair and not for the faint of heart. Unfortunately, where evil exists in the world, war is sometimes a necessary writer of wrongs. And that's the way it is. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see where God sends a famine to Israel because of the way Saul killed the Gibeonites decades earlier. It's a sobering reminder that God is the judge and that he doesn't forget apart from blood atonement. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 2 Samuel on Simply the Bible.